0: So it is good to be here today with your church family as we celebrate and continue to celebrate. But I are reminded that, as I shared with the kids, oftentimes we have this feeling like the holiday, and it is the holiday, is over. Christmas is over. And I remember it's an advantage sometimes to be have a life where you weren't a Christian in a life when you were, because you can remember how you f- felt. And I remember as a as a little kid, when Christmas was over, there was just this huge letdown because there was such a buildup for the festivities and Christmas night, and maybe we went to church. We snuck church in there maybe sometimes, and, and then it, it was such a big anticipation, and then the the presence and the the moment came, and then it was gone. And I just remembered it was like the hope was gone. But that's because it wasn't a spiritual thing. It wasn't a God thing. It wasn't a Jesus thing with me. It was a secular thing. And in the secular world, it is over. Christmas is over. It's the day after Christmas. The shopping's over, uh, the stomach aches are over, um, all that, it's all over. And you got to wait till next year. But now, over the years, that's why I like coming on the Sunday after. And Sunday's usually pretty close, so it's usually pretty small in most churches. I know some big churches, I was surprised. Uh, my daughter was telling me they're, they're just having online service today. And, and I'm, this isn't a judgment about what you should do or you shouldn't do, but I'm just sharing with you. Now I have this, it, it's when Christmas is over, I'm like, okay, this is day one. This is the beginning, especially as we look towards Easter. The story goes on until we get to Easter from a liturgical standpoint, but it's not just that. The hope of Jesus Christ is not for a time period, but it's for eternity. And that gives us hope. This is day one of the light came into the world. The light was just the beginning. Christ was just the beginning of our redemption, of the redemption of all creation. It is just the beginning in our lives. And God gives us new beginnings over and over You know, we grow and we are sanctified over time. And so there's stuff. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Remember our prayer? But not as good as I'm going to be. But I'm not what I should be. But I'm working on it. And so there's always this time to be reminded. That's what Christmas is now to me. It is a reminder that with Christ, all things are new, and it can be a new beginning to a new stage of growing closer to Christ, growing in my relationship. That's my prayer for all of you that are here or that aren't here, that are online, that your discipleship would grow and be rooted at a deeper level in 2022. So that you understand the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ is not just a -a one-time-a-year thing. But it's every day, whenever you need it, for eternity. And he gives us that. That's the hope. That's the light that has come into the darkness. And the darkness will not overtake it. That's good news. And that should be praised and worshiped. Our scripture comes out of Psalm 96. It's a song of praise and worship, verses 1 and 3 and 6 and 7. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all of the earth. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all of you, families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And it goes on, the whole psalm is is about praising God for who God is and what God has done. And that's maybe the beginning, that's where we start as we go into this new year, as we begin to want to have more of a discipleship, more of a relationship When we think about worship, we can learn some things from the story of the three wise men. You know, often part of the liturgical calendar is that after Christmas, there's epiphany, and that celebrates uh, the including of the Gentiles into the body of Christ, into the plan of salvation as represented in the three magi, non-Jewish people. And we see these, these wise men, these kings, and they come because something has told them. They saw a star, and they come, and they come to do what? To worship Jesus, a little baby. No fanfare, just in a manger, out back, a little baby. And there's timing issues, but the point here is they come to worship about when Jesus was and how old he was as a toddler, but they come to worship and they bring offerings to him. And so that made me think about our worship. What is our worship for us when we come to worship? That's why I asked y'all, I wanted, it was going to be a part of this. What is worship for you? Because that makes all the difference in the world. The song says, come, let us adore him. Have adoration. If you look up the word adoration, it it says deep respect and love. And our adoration, our, our respect, our love for Christ, our passion, devotion for Christ, is going to determine our worship. And I, I might be pre- preaching to the choir because you all are here today, but you, we have to be careful in all things we do in church because we want to make everything in Scripture, we want to make our religious life, we want to make our relationship with God, we want to make our worship about us. That's our tendency. Just because we become a Christian does not mean that that selfish, natural person is not there. Right? There's, sometimes people have received Christ on like a Emmaus walk or a mission trip or some mountaintop experience. And they might have lived a rough life. And they'll come and they'll go, oh, and they're so excited because they think it's all over. And as a pastor, I got to break it to, ooh, it just started, right? Before it was just the natural person, the fleshly person, the secular person. Now you have the spirit of Christ. You've introduced him into this whole deal. And now the wrestling match just starts. And it's whatever dog you're going to feed the most is going to win that wrestling match. But that self is always... We, we might begin to change, and we might enter into church and in relationship, but if we're not careful, we'll even make that and turn that and twist that to be about us. You know, we do that with Scripture all the time. A lot of big money is made on self-help help Scripture Bible studies. You know, you'll be more prosperous. You'll be more confident you're loved, and they make it all about you. We make Scripture all about us. We proof text and say, oh, that's who he's, talk- he's talking about me. And the, the truth is, is not about you. It's not about me. It's about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And the same thing, worship... It's not about you. It's not about me. And we hear it a lot. I know Ashley never hears it, right? Say, well, I just, I, I need this. And I need this. And I like this style. And, and I like that style. And, and, and I'm just not getting what I need from worship. It's not about you. And the reason you're not getting what you need from worship is because you made it about you. Remember the wise men, the kings, they came to worship. They came, knelt down, and brought offerings, Said, showed their adoration, and that's what we are called to do. And it always happens in churches. You might have been on a good streak. You might have had a church that just blew up. You might have a church. But if we're not careful, the world creeps in. And what does the world, what runs the world? This consumer mentality. All right? That I need this and I want this. In church worship, I, this might sound foreign to some of you, isn't about what you need. When we come to worship, it's not about a consumer mentality. I'm probably stepping on a lot of so stuff. This isn't a very cheery Christmas sermon. <laughs> um, uh, The That consumer mentality, if pastors here, like, oh, we're doing, and I know it doesn't, you don't mean it bad. Well, we're church shopping. What does that mean? You're just walking through the produce. Hmm, well, that one looks good. That one's a little bruised. Hmm. What about where does God want you to be? Where can you serve? It's not a consumer. If we begin to go into a consumer mentality about church, we're beginning to lose our way. Church, you see this in churches where there's this, as a pastor, you begin to see it, and it's a red flag, when they be, you begin to hear all about the staff does this, the staff does this. this and you, we look at it as staff does ministry, and the congregation consumes it. No. We're here to help lead and facilitate ministry together. The body of Christ. There is no great high priest anymore. That used to be an old thing, right? That you'd have to go through the high priest. Uh, but now we don't have a high priest. I'm not the high priest. Every, I get this at dinner at Christmas too. And my family knew me. My wife's family, everybody knows me before as a pastor. But it's time to eat. Where's Jim? I was like, you know, you all can pray too, Right? I'm not, I'm not a high priest. We have one high priest, Hebrews tells us, that is Jesus Christ. And we all have access to God through the same high priest. And so it is a, not a consumer mentality. We do ministry together as the body of Christ. And worship is a pouring out, an adoration that comes out of a deep love and respect and thankfulness for what God has done for us. And I want to say, I'm already in trouble, I want to say that sometimes our worship doesn't say a lot about our adoration and our love and our respect, our thankfulness for what God does. You know, I could go into any church and worship God and, and have a worship experience. And you can too, if it's not about you. That doesn't mean maybe the message is going to be that great. It doesn't mean I have to just take everything that's given or, or that I'm going to appreciate this or not appreciate it. It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with it. If I'm there to worship God, to pour myself out to God, then I can worship anywhere because it's not a dependent on people, or the song, or the style of music. I've been to some really, really great spirit-filled contemporary services, and I've been to some really, really bad contemporary services. I've been to great liturgical service that are really good. I've been to horrible ones. I've heard good preaching. I've heard bad preaching. But I can always worship because it's not about me, and it's not about you. And if we're missing out on our worship, it's because we're making it about us and not about God. Psalms is filled with giving God glory, and and you hear that adoration in the words of that deep love and respect and thankfulness that God has given us his son. As we celebrate now, in the Psalms, they just worship God for his glory, for his truth, for his power, for his deeds. And they had to remind him a lot too. See, that's our nature. Even back then, they wanted to make it about them. Deuteronomy, remember, I tell you all this all the time. Deuteronomy is one big, don't forget me and what I've done for you. But that's not about God. God wants us to pour ourselves out for him because when we empty ourselves of ourselves, then God pours his spirit into us. And if we're so full of ourselves and what we want and what we desire, there's no room to pour God's spirit in. So, if you're not getting what you want out of worship, I don't care where you go, what you're doing, you need to ask yourself, are you too full of yourself? Do you need to empty out so that God can fill in? To pour into you his spirit. I remember I went to... uh, there's this Benedictine monastery up in uh, Oklahoma, northeast Oklahoma. Uh, it's called Clear Fork. It's beautiful. And it's very um, traditional Benedictine. Don't eat, they don't talk at dinner. They do some cantering, which is interesting. And they do some reading. And they have like eight offices a day, uh, which are services, and I didn't know how, I'd like to try different things, especially when it comes to faith and see different things. And so I didn't know how I would like it. I went one diamond and they have a little room, very simple, bed and chair, they call it a cell. Um, and I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that. You know, because in that first there, I just noticed, well, they're just locked in. They don't go out. They don't do anything. God calls us to do stuff. But then by the time the weekend, I found like a rhythm to the offices I like to go to. I like to go to the very first one. I like to go to the last one. Um, I went to a couple in the middle. And it was just phenomenal. Uh, The chanting, the Benedictine chants were just beautiful. And every now and then, one of them would, step out, they would be singing. One of them would step out, step up, go down, go back. And I asked like the human resource monk or the guy that was showing me around, I said, what's that when they do that? He goes, oh, they've made a mistake. And that's penance for messing up. I said, I'm thinking... Well, if you don't tell anybody, I wouldn't know, right? But it it was just, they worshiped God all day long through prayer and through the different offices that maybe were only separated by an hour or two. And I remember driving back saying, I get it now. They're preserving holiness. Holiness. They're preserving true worship and devotion and adoration to God. And so there would be times when I'd just be out in the world and the church is all about doing and busyness and, and things and parties and it just, and I would remember there's this little place up in Oklahoma that's just carved out and preserving true and pure devotion and worship to God. And God feels that. God knows that. They're they're holding up where we're falling short. And God is honored by that. And that's always stuck with me. I've been up there a couple times. But you can always kind of tell those that understand that worship is not about us, but it is about God. Because you you can look at people and you say, they're worshiping. They're not stuck. I, I, they're not stuck on was this right? Was that right? How does this sound? Where's this instrument? Where's I like these songs. I like those songs. And and I have all of this. It's okay to have a preference. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to have a preference. I have preferences. But just because something doesn't pop up in my preference. Someday or something else doesn't mean I stop worshiping because I'm locked into what God. And, you know, sometimes I get pulled out of it too. But it's not, then I'm reminded it's not about me. My worship is about God and about what God has done for me in Jesus Christ And if I truly understand that, then my worship will come from a place of true love, devotion, and adoration. And I will always get what I need when I empty myself of myself. So if if your worship is not what you want it to be, maybe in 2022 you begin to Look, not on the outside, what kind of music, what kind of instruments, what kind of songs, what kind of this, that, but look on the inside, and are you worshiping from a place of deep love and respect, of deep thankfulness of what God has done for you, for me, in Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your patience. And, Lord, I know sometimes I get caught up in the busyness of worship, the scheduling of worship, and I forget to truly worship. Lord, help us to be a church of worship where we come and we pour ourselves out in thanksgiving and love and devotion for you. And as we empty ourselves of ourselves, Lord, you fill us with your spirit. And it overflows out of us to those that are in our lives. Lord, as we come to communion, let us be reminded that you emptied yourself and poured yourself out for us. And let us, in response, pour ourselves out for you. In Jesus' name, amen.